Hi, Fumi. Hello, Fumi. <laughs> How are Fumi you? and Fumi. I'm good. The Fumi. So funny. The Fumi. <laughs> so we were just chatting, and I was talking about the new video that you posted. Congratulations on your new car. It's stunning. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I was Thank telling you. you that someone had actually sent me the video and was like, she's everything. And I was like, oh my God, seconded. I agree. Oh, thank you. Wow. I feel the same about you. So I'm in good Thank company. you. Thank you. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that video. Like what led to that? And um, yeah, what, what led to that? I saw the comment and I was like, it's not the first time I've seen someone try you on on pronunciation before? Um, so I have a personal, like, I do create boundaries for myself regarding, like, what I respond to on social media because, I mean, at the end of the day, you get 100 comments and maybe one mm. or two are negative. You know, there's no mm. point in wasting your energy on people that are clearly just keyboard warriors, right? Mm. But I, I do have a problem with people, like, going after someone for their pronunciations in general mm. because um, working with fragrance, you know, there's fragrance comes from all over the world. So you're looking at yeah. fragrances from from France, fragrances from Spain, fragrances from, you know, Nigeria, various African countries, fragrances from various Asian countries. I mean, unless you know everyone's mother tongue, you are never going to get every pronunciation correct, right? Exactly. And I, I highly encourage people to not allow things like how I, being able to pronounce things correctly to keep them from either enjoying like experiences and products or creating content. Mm. So when this person <laughs> commented on my video, um, and it was a video I'd made where, you know, go with me to pick up my new car. Mm. I was really excited. It was a great video. This, this man, it's always a man, this it's man commented and said, why would you get a car when you don't even know how to pronounce the name? Now, sir. <laughs> <laughs> now, sir, you know, like... <laughs> I just think I just think about what it what it, what has to go through someone's mind to see a, a celebratory video of, yes. that someone posts and think yep. I should I should try to drag them down a little bit right yep. you know because if I was a man they would have said congrats bro I'm trying to get like right. you right it, <laughs> you know I'm trying to be like you big bro heavy on the try to be like you big bro With the praying hands emoji and trying to get like you big bro <laughs> you know. It's always Stop. the same. It's no, but exactly. Exactly. Like they would, exactly. There would never be any, um, there would be nothing asking, oh, what do you do for a living? Yeah. Um, how did you afford it? Oh, you must, oh, you, you, you financed it. Oh, you leased it. Oh, you don't know how to pronounce it. Like there would never be right. any of that. Right. So right. that day, I just thought, like, <laughs> first of all, I did, this is the one time I actually did pronounce something correctly. Like I am. <laughs> 100% like I always tell people listen I don't know how to pronounce it I do my best you know right. I do my best but this time I was like no because I did pronounce it correctly but then also yeah, yeah. even if I didn't my money pronounced it because my money yep. bought it and I could talks. literally call I could call this car a banana they're gonna tell me ma'am your banana's ready period, period. <laughs> you know money so talks. I money talks you know and okay. I think you know money talks it speaks every language you know my sister, you said something right there. It speaks every language. You said and something right there. My money is going to say what I couldn't say. You period. Know? Period. Period. So in that instance, I had like I respond, and you know I'm not going to. First of all, number one, I am I'm a licensed therapist, so because mm -hmm. I respect my profession, I respect my license. There are certain 
um, things I will not say online. Like, I won't call mm. someone a bum-ass loser. <laughs> right. I would say that. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, I would never say that. Why would you go on someone's page and, like I said, try to, number one, clown them, and then you end up getting clowned. You it's know, so embarrassing. It's embarrassing for you. It's very embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. And in this it's... particular instance, whether I pronounced it correctly or not, the car is mine. And that's and really that's what it comes the down thing. to. That's the thing. And I think that's what it like. The, watching your video was so satisfying for me. It was so yeah. like it just it gave me the warm fuzzies because I was just like, I love how unapologetic it was. I love how confident it was, but also unbothered. And you were sitting in her. The whole video was just a vibe. I mean, as a black woman on on social media, um, who has a lot of black women mutuals who kind of embody the same sort of unbothered, confident, like energy as successful women. I see it all the time where there's just this insatiable need for people to try to undermine you, pull you down, discredit you. And it was just so satisfying to watch you stand up for yourself in a way that like, like you said, very respectful of like your role outside of social media, right? Exactly. Very poised and unbothered but still kind of like listen at the end of the day let's let's focus on the things that matter exactly and that's exactly. the fact that it came off the lot with me thank you and you know the truth is i really was unbothered because Period. i thought to myself i am sitting in my car <laughs> <laughs> I, I am sitting in my car and he's watching me sit in my car <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to hate from outside the club? So, I mean, okay. I loved it. And I feel like it just solidified for me why you're the perfect person to do this episode. And I really want to talk to kind of the younger women who follow me, women in their early 20s, mid 20s, who had a lot of questions about like, how to choose a career, how to choose a life path, um, how to decide what they want to do with their lives. And I know that you are someone, like you said, who is a professional outside of social media. I just would love for you to talk about kind of like what your journey has been, what led you to start a social media page, um, and sort of how did you decide what you wanted to do with your life um, offline professionally? Okay, I love those questions because it's, it's really crazy how um, so many of my decisions have been tied to things I'm experiencing in life. Mm. Um, so I am a licensed professional therapist, um, specifically an LPC, licensed professional counselor. And I have been practicing for a little bit over five years. I'm going into six years um, mm. next year. Uh, so I have my master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. And I work in private practice, so I basically am that person that when someone says, I need to talk to my therapist, that's me. I started doing social media. This is my four-year anniversary of doing social media. Um, wow. And I, I started creating content online because I was actually going to therapy myself. Mm. Um, I was in the middle of like a lot of really big life changes and, and also dealing with a breakup at the time. But it really changed my life because it helped me to learn my, like it helped me to actually see like my own potential. And creating content on social media became kind of an outlet, like a positive outlet for me to be able to share things I really enjoy um, in my daily life, in my like daily, you know, especially with self-care. And I was dealing with, you know, I was dealing with pretty serious depression at the time. So it was a great like reminder for me 
that okay like even if I don't do anything else today like at least I did I did this or I shared this and um, it kind of really helped to keep a routine in my life like a routine mm -hmm. um, and I'm grateful because all of those things have led me to this journey where I am four years later where um, I'm on TikTok you know I'm asked to be on panels like I'm asked to join podcast panels um, do um, you know conferences um, even launch my own fragrance you know I love it so yeah I just I'm really grateful because like that one moment in my life um, where I felt at my lowest has mm -hmm. led me to this moment where I feel I've never I've never felt like higher like I've never I feel like I'm on the top of the mountain I love that and congratulations on your fragrance Exalté that must be so exciting for you it's incredible because as a content creator um, especially you know when you have been online as long as I have you know you've seen other people do collaborations in mm -hmm. in other spaces you know whether it's um with makeup like you know uh makeup palettes one of my favorite makeup collaborations was uh Jackie Ina and uh Anastasia Beverly Hills a few years ago oh yeah I bought that it's like amazing that it's palette's gorgeous. incredible yeah gorgeous yeah. so I've, I've seen beauty content creators do collaborations but I did not know I didn't really see that with perfume content creators Mm -hmm. um so when I had the opportunity it was it was so just it was just such an incredible moment because mm -hmm. I thought this is a space that is dominated by people that do not look like me number one yes and number two um people that are going to try to downplay you because maybe you don't you don't have the correct pronunciations mm -hmm. or maybe oh you don't you know you don't have the palette that we what we prefer mm -hmm. But um, instead, what I did was create a, a, a fragrance that's so damn good that literally people <laughs> all over the world, undeniably, I love it. I undeniably love it. have told me this is a gorgeous fragrance. I love it. I love it. I mean, that I mean, that's just inspiring. And like, I can't wait to get mine. I saw that they went live, I think, yesterday or the day before. Yes, um, we went live so yesterday. I cannot wait. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I cannot wait. Mm. I've always tried to see myself as a guide, which one of my, um, I was on IG Live and that's how the nickname Your Favorite Fragrance Auntie kind of mm. came out. <laughs> uh, because she said, you know, I feel like you're like my auntie because aunties always give you the best advice. They, mm -hmm. you know, they give you the best recommendations. Sometimes they let you have a sip of the margarita. Um, <laughs> and so I felt like, you know, with creating fragrance content, it was really important to, first of all, share how to find what your taste is like mm. kind of help people to know what is my taste and why is this my taste when i hear you talking about it there's so much passion that comes through and that's kind of a common thread with the questions that people had is like how do you find your passion right outside of your career offline which i'm sure that you're super passionate about as well how did you land on perfumes in particular and then more niche luxury perfumes you've kind of touched on it but um, if you could go kind of more in depth on just like the personal journey that brought you to that passion and how you discovered it and knew that it was right for you it is such a inclusive space right mm. like with makeup a lot of times you want to follow people that maybe have a certain aesthetic or makeup style that you prefer that mm. look like you you know with skincare like okay I have really bad acne so I want to follow other people that have acne so I can see 
what products they use, right? But with fragrance, I've realized people just want to smell good. People just want to smell good. Like regardless right. of race, regardless yeah. of status, regardless mm. of how you look, you could be five foot, you could be six foot, you could be short, you could be tall, you could be fat, you could be skinny, like whatever. People mm. want to smell good. And more importantly, people want to smell good at every budget. Wanting an inclusive space resonates with me a lot. Like you said, my content kind of reflected the different stages of my life throughout my 20s um, and evolved in that way. And then finally to where I am now, I've, I've talked about relationships before, but now I'm just doing it in a different way. Um, it's kind of like that situation as well, where it's like people just want to find love that makes them feel treasured and respected and valued. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not specific to black women. That's not specific to white women. It's not specific to women of any different race or religion or creed or whatever. It's just something that we as women have in common is a lot of us who date men <laughs> mm -hmm. um, have in common is this journey of trying to find something that's right and I'm healthy. Really a lot of people are like, you know, how do I choose between grad school and making content? And I think for us, like it's really, it's unique because we didn't limit ourselves to one one path or another. Was that a hurdle that you had to get over mentally when you were deciding to make content of like, is this compatible with the career that I've already chosen? Oh, definitely, because I have so many people that message me and they're like, oh, can you do you know, more mental health content? Can you do more therapy content? Mm -hmm. And I think for myself, I do not want to do therapy content and then be a therapist all day. Like, I do not want my whole life to be consumed by therapy and mental health. Mm. So although I might incorporate some mental health elements into my content regarding maybe, like, talking about how things make you feel, um, I just realized that it was important for me to have, like, a boundary for mm. both because otherwise mm. I would absolutely feel burnt out. I would absolutely feel burnt out. And mm. um, I'm really glad that... Each thing is different enough that I, I have a pretty good balance regarding how I share content, but also how mm. I manage my, my, my career, my full-time job. It's important for women to hear that, like, listen, you don't necessarily have to choose, but like you said, you will have to sort of set boundaries, right? If you're looking yeah. to have social media be the outlet that you want it to be, there will be a time where you have to say no to certain requests or no to certain kinds of content that you're perfectly equipped to make, um, but just would kind of rob you of the experience that you're hoping to have on your own platform. And what does it look like on a day-to-day -day basis or maybe even on a macro scale, setting the boundaries so that you have time to be excellent you know in your job offline but also have time to be present with sort of the content side of things you have to have very good time management skills as you can imagine um mm. because otherwise things can just kind of spill into each other socially i found myself a lot more selective as well like mm -hmm. i just don't find myself kind of committing hours to sit around and chat with people who probably aren't very genuine as far as you know, the friendship or the relationship goes. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it does force you to have time management skills, but also look more critically at the decisions that you make with your free time. Oh, yes. Oh, that's so right? important. Free time, dating, like, because your yes. free time is like, it's so precious, you know? How has your your view of dating through your 20s and into now sort of changed or matured over the years 
it's so interesting because when I think about why my dating preferences have changed mm-hmm. just in the last like, couple years, I, I tell myself that this is how my dating preferences should have always been. You know, mm-hmm. like I think to myself, I do not need to be working two jobs, you know, or be like <laughs> a, you know, more like, you know, visible figure mm-hmm. to be able to like have these kind of more stringent dating preferences. Like, mm-hmm. because now, like, I feel like my dating and friendship preferences, right, are a lot mm-hmm. more protective of, like, mm-hmm. my, like you said, your time. Right. And I don't want to waste my time on people. You know, do you remember the Erica Banks thing? Like, oh, I can only hang out with girls that are baddies, that look a certain yeah. way. That, yeah. Like, I, I cannot waste my time with very superficial relationships, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, I cannot waste my time with, with men that are, going to waste my time, you know? Like, I have to be more aware of, like, what these things look like so I can avoid them because now my time is so precious. Like, my time Mm. is literally money. I wish, though, that I I always saw life and dating that way. Truthfully, right? Like, I think that so many people don't see their time or their life as being, you know, very precious, very, like, okay, this very meaningful right Mm, mm. that like they do entertain friendships that are not going to really serve them Mm -hmm. um entertain relationships with people that are like looking literally looking for nothing from them and then you end up like two years later thinking oh my god how did i end up here how did Mm. i end up with these friends that never were there for me or like didn't really ever you know this kind of doesn't really feel deep kind of situation or this man that i dated but now we don't have anything. We have no title. We have nothing. He's moved on. Right. He got married. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> right. Right. And so I realized like when we are able to look at our time as more like it's just really important. Um, it does make you more protective and more uh, a little bit. How do you say this? A little bit more picky regarding who you spend your time with and how how you spend your time. A lot of women in their 20s who reached out about this podcast episode, um, asking questions and all of that kind of thing, were asking about sort of how to set boundaries, right? Because I think the struggle that people have, especially in that age where you're just kind of learning who you are, is they're kind of just kind of trying to assemble a bunch of things that they hear online about what their boundaries should be, whether or not those boundaries are organic to them. Um, And so what was sort of your journey like figuring out what your boundaries actually are? And then how has that evolved? Has that evolved since you've entered into your 30s? Um, Wow, that's a really, really good question. Because I think in my 20s, I spent a lot of my time kind of thinking, okay, I need to just it's like it's like almost like collecting friendships and relationships like Pokemon cards. You know, you just want to like have all of them. You know, I want to yes, have. Right. You know, I want to go on every date. I want to yep. be invited to every girl's trip. I want to be mm-hmm. invited to every girl's night. Mm-hmm. And um, when you like the thing is when you do that, it's kind of like you're just willing to just accept anything, and you're and you yeah. are accepting everything. You know. Yeah. And then you find out at the end of the day that you didn't really get much out of any of these things. You didn't get much mm. out of these relationships with your, with these new friends. You didn't get much mm. out of these, these of dating, just everybody, you know? And, um, I just felt like in my, as I literally, it's like when I turned 30, it just felt like a light bulb went off. But right. I realized right. that I didn't have to have everything. I just need to have the best things. I don't need to have everything. Yes. I don't need to have every day. I don't need to have every girlfriend. I don't mm. need to have everything. I just need to have the best things for myself. 
and that could just mean having like two really good girlfriends that you know you can depend on yes. that you know will be there for you and vice versa yes. it could mean not accepting every date not accepting every trip every mm. every getting flown out requests mm. you know um because you realize it's not a good utilization of your time mm. or your energy your your energy like that's the thing your energy like mm. putting energy into relationships that are a dead end putting yes. energy into friendships that are not going anywhere like mm. it is a poor investment of your time, your energy, your just your feelings too, you know. One of the things that I learned as well um in my late 20s and going into my early 30s was it's okay to have friends that just serve a particular purpose and they don't have to be your, you know, ride or die go to everything friend. Mm -hmm. Um and as a result, it's okay to sort of adjust your investment in them accordingly right mm -hmm. so it's exactly. like there are some friends that are kind of like shopping friends and then there are some friends that are you know work friends and then mm -hmm. there are some friends that are you know like you know we go get massages or we work out together right and mm -hmm. like that's okay and you might even mm -hmm. say that those are more acquaintances than friends right but like mm -hmm. oh absolutely your friend doesn't have to be everything in your life Exactly. And then it just, it gives you the freedom to adjust your own investment mm -hmm. accordingly as well to where it's like, exactly. we know kind of what the deal is here. But no, you're 100% correct in that like, you know, you, you can always, even like for your best friend, you will not always mm -hmm. be the everything person. You might mm -hmm. not be like the go to the gym person or the going out person for someone who even is really close to you. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like understanding how to spend your energy at the end of the day with with how to kind of know okay this is someone that maybe we're not like super close but we, this is the role that they have in my life like understanding like the roles people have in your life and like maybe taking expectations off of what you might want from them because of the role they have oh yes yes that's especially powerful for dating oh yeah yes <laughs> yes because i'm if you do not learn how to manage your expectations with dating, you will find yourself to be in a cycle where yes. you are always getting disappointed and getting hurt. You will yes. just find yourself, that is a cycle that you will just continue to live in like a hamster yes. wheel. When I talk to women who have stayed too long, it's always expectations that have kept them there. Mm -hmm. And usually misplaced expectations. A hundred percent. Expectations that had no business getting brought into a situation yep. where like that person showed you nothing yes that would fulfill the expectations that you have yes this element of like fantasy um in dating that comes up for a lot of us as women and i wonder what does that like where does that come from and what are the real intangible ways that you can keep from doing that especially as a younger woman getting into the dating scene I think a big idea is this idea of like a happy ending or mm. this like, you know, oh, this other person's like my other half. Mm. So like you want you want the pieces to fit so bad. You want them to fit. You're trying to put a square into a circle hole, you know. Mm. Mm. But like the thing is that truly your happiness does not come until you realize you are a whole person on your own. Yes. When you realize you are a whole person on your own then when you enter situations with, whether it's a friendship or a dating situation, especially dating situations, mm. you don't depend on that person to either make you happy or bring you fulfillment. 
Like you realize, 100%. like when you realize that, you see how someone is taking away from what you already have. Yes. And yes. then that's when you are able to manage your expectations. When you realize this person doesn't add to what I'm, you know, what I'm already experiencing. Like I have all this happiness, all this joy, all this fulfillment in my life Mm. already by myself. Mm. Mm. And a lot of times when you project those things into the other person, like you need them to fill those things for you. Mm. That's when you end up being disappointed. That's one of the things that the way that a lot of people talk about it is it feels like it's out of your control. Like you can't, you can't help, but, you know, place these expectations or you can't help. Um, And, and when you have this idea of a happy ending, it's when you really take a step back and look at it, it's not about the person. It's about what your desired outcome is. And that's the danger of it. And it's something I try to communicate on my platform that sometimes the happiest ending for you with the person is that you both go your separate ways and never speak again. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes that is the best case scenario. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, I think kind of divorcing yourself from the mindset that, you know, you've somehow failed in some way or you're somehow not enough. If this doesn't end in holy matrimony, it's like, no, sometimes that's like, you need to be very grateful that 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 didn't go there. Oh, absolutely. Because the thing about it is that you don't even know, sometimes you don't know why someone entered your life. You know, but also like them leaving your life could lead to just better opportunities that staying yeah. around would have blocked for you. Like mm. I had a relationship four years ago. I'm so grateful I, I walked away from because mm. that like that relationship basically like transition like brought me literally to the point, like literally to where I am today. I don't know if I would have explored creating content on social media, Mm. all these Mm. things that I've been able to have if I stayed with this person because Mm. I was hoping that this person would be my happy ending. Mm. Whereas this person definitely did not want me to have my own happy ending. Wow. Like they wanted their own happy ending. And I think it's so interesting because I started making content following a breakup as well. Um, and it was kind of a situation where I just felt like my whole identity was kind of wrapped up in this person, right? Like we had started dating when I was 19. I ended the relationship when I was about 22. And I just remember like, because of who he was and sort of how popular he was, my whole identity became, became being his girlfriend. Whereas Uh people would actually referred to me as his girlfriend like wow you know jack's girlfriend jack's girlfriend that's wow. not his name i'm just using it um a yeah name. and i think for me it just like and it wasn't his fault necessarily i don't want to like put it on him i think it was just like because of who he was and i just i didn't have that you know popularity um my identity got swallowed up in that relationship mm. And it just put me in a place where I was kind of like, I need time to kind of figure out who I am. I need time to figure out who Fumi is and what Fumi likes and what Fumi's put on earth to do and sort of what makes me happy and have my own identity. And I think that's kind of why, like, throughout the years, I've been really, really, really particular about not sharing relationships or dating on my platform at all. I think it's maybe some kind of PTSD of just not (laughs) 
That's not wanting the relationship to be like what people know me for. Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. You never know why someone comes into your life. And it's something that oh, yeah. my mom has already always told me is that like buildings have scaffolding on them. And the biggest mistake you can make is when it's time to take that scaffolding down is to want to cling to that. Mm. It's it's almost, you know, when you see relationships go wrong is when you're trying to cling to that relationship beyond the season that it's meant to be in your life. And when the purpose has already been exhausted, you're just attached to the relationship itself. Yeah. Wow. That's a really, um, really good. That's a really good example. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so powerful. Just that line of like, you just never know why someone came into your life. You, you think it's like, oh, we're dating. So it's supposed to be a ha happily ever after, but it could be we're dating so that he can reveal something that's in me that I need to take care of. Oh, absolutely. And I've realized that, um, it, I mean, it, it, it happens so frequently in, in dating, you know, like mm. just looking at life as like lessons and not like failures. Like it's not an L, it's a lesson. Yes. Like, I didn't take a loss. <laughs> I took a lesson. And um, <laughs> I mean, because otherwise you might feel like, dang, I'm taking L after L. Like take me out the game, you know, but you know, instead of saying like, what, what can I learn from this? Like, what did I do? Because obviously right. it's not right. always like, well, this person just is so horrible. It's sometimes, mm. okay, what did I do? Like what, what yes. is it that I could also learn from this? Because yes. I, even with like, I did a story about, um, I did a video about like friendship breakups mm -hmm. and how like they can be so, it can be really hard to experience mm -hmm. friendship breakups, but also mm -hmm. understanding sometimes you are the drama. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you were the drama, Come and, on. you know, that made maybe somebody else say, hey, I don't really feel like I want to be friends with you anymore. Yes. It's not yes. always like that other person. Sometimes Come you on. are the drama. Yes. And like saying, okay, you know what? This person might have experienced this from me mm. is this something i'm willing to work on you know mm. Mm. i had someone once tell me while we were dating like hey for me like i don't really feel like you open up a lot and i don't feel like i got to know you mm. like you had a lot of walls up mm. and i thought to myself you know what i did mm. it's true like it's not like i'm you know internalizing this but the truth is i did have walls up and i thought why did i have these walls up like what is it that i can work on to make mm. myself maybe a little bit more available, mm. you know, when I can see that this is someone worth being available with. That is major because it's not, it's not always somebody else's fault. Like we really always want not. to make the other person the villain, but sometimes it's we really are the villain in someone else's story. And sometimes you're both the villain. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, sometimes like the you're anti. Both. You're both the anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like sometimes you're both the villain. And I think we're just so used to these storylines where there's a hero and a villain, mm -hmm. an antagonist and a protagonist. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're both the villain. Sometimes you're mm -hmm. both, you know, the quote-unquote antagonist in the story. And I think it's so powerful to hear you say that because it's like one part of self-care that gets overlooked is self-confrontation. Yes. Oh my gosh. And sitting and saying, hold on, like, Fumi, where did you go wrong? Yeah. And it's not a blame game. It's, it's not like, not. Oh God, I'm such a horrible person. No, I yes. just don't deserve. It's like mm. being self-aware. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, that's that's such a good point because it's like it always it always gets mistaken as blame and i always say accountability is not the same as blame mm -hmm. and your self-love and self-esteem will reach a new level when you can take accountability for something and still feel good about yourself and Absolutely. still be like i still deserve 
I still am worthy. I just made a mistake. I have this area where I need to work on, but that doesn't take away from my worthiness or my esteem or regard for myself. Exactly. Oh my God. I love that. That's so powerful. And very much kind of like what I try to encourage people to do when that's self-reflection. Yes. You don't have to beat yourself up. Yes. Um, you are not any less worthy because you made a mistake or you, yes. you know, you took a misstep. Mm -hmm. It does happen, but you have to be self-aware enough to be able to grow from it. A hundred percent. Because it's not the mistake that holds you back from being able to have, you know, make healthy decisions and have healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. It's basically like, what like the actions you take after learning about that mistake it's an essential part to your healing and it's mm -hmm. and i think it's something that gets lost in kind of like the dating space on social media is when you're making content for women it's really hard to communicate this idea right that the fact that this guy doesn't want to marry you doesn't ipso facto make him a bad guy the fact that this guy doesn't want to be in a relationship with you doesn't automatically make him a bad guy, right? Sometimes things don't work out between two people who genuinely meant well. Don't just be single for six months, eating ice cream and watching men are trash content and then think you can jump back into the dating pool and find yeah. someone who's like a good and healthy match. Yeah. Because you didn't do any, you did no growth or healing during during that time you're going exactly. back into the you're going to get back in with the same like you know crush that you had before the same injury exactly exactly and guess and guess who's waiting for you other hurt people and the danger of the cycle is the more times you go through that cycle the harder it is to convince you now that this isn't all there is yeah, exactly. You lose this sense of hope that it gets yes. better. Yes. Like that healing process is so important because it gives you like a sense of hope. Yes. Like when I had my friendship breakup, I thought to myself, you know what, Fumi? Like I thought about both sides. I thought about my mm. side. I thought about her side. Right. Mm. And I said, I did do that. But now mm. I'm, I feel hopeful that like if I work on this particular issue with myself, this is not something I necessarily will have to like go through with somebody else or yes. they will have to experience from me. Yeah. Like there's a sense of hope that, well, I guess that door might be closed, but there's so many more doors that can open. And hope is really like a really big factor in how yes. we evaluate people in therapy as well with like getting through like depression, people that are like, you know, experiencing suicide, mm -hmm. um, depression, anxiety. Like what is your hope that this doesn't have to be the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Like that sense of hopelessness is always a key factor in determining like the, the, uh, the success of this treatment, of how they're going mm. to be able to get through this. Like, if you don't heal from someone, let's say, who cheated on you, right? You don't heal through mm. that process, right? Then mm. you just become hopeless. Like, well, I guess everyone just cheats. I guess it's just how it is. Yes, now, yes. that's no longer an expectation that you have that could be important to you. You know, like, mm. I'm talking about things that are important to you. Like, factors mm. are important to you in relationships. Oh, mm. this person didn't call me regularly, so I guess that's just how it is. Yeah. So communication yes. is now something that no longer becomes important to you. Yeah. Even though communication is such a key factor in keeping a relationship healthy and right. moving forward. Honestly, I think the route to getting there where you're like, you know, you know, someone gets cheated on and then their conclusion is all men cheat is they, someone gets cheated on, they kind of start to internalize it, right? And uh -huh. they feel like it's something that they've done. And uh -huh. then they get to the next relationship and they try to avoid it by doing different things. That's why you hear uh -huh. people saying like, 
whatever, 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 X, Y, Z to keep your man home or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they find that um, actually this person cheated as well. And then the conclusion becomes, okay, then all men cheat. Yeah, exactly. When really, I think if you skip the part where you internalize it at all, because really, I don't think you should internalize the things that people do to you in general. Exactly. Right. Because everyone brings to each experience and encounter their own hurts and inadequacies and all of that. So it's really not even about you to begin with. Okay, you found yourself in a relationship where you trusted someone and they cheated. Heal from that and then ask yourself, okay, what are sort of the things that you can do vetting wise to sort of evaluate that person and who they are before getting into the relationship? And that's not to say that that's a guarantee, but I always feel like in life, you, you, it's a lot more empowering and a lot more enriching to focus on the things that you can control. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing that's in the realm of your control, it's you. 